Greetings, and I thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to spend with us. I pray that life is treating you well, and if not, I hope something we say today in this message uplifts you and gives you some clarity on what you're going through. But just know this, God is still in control, and he still has the last word on your situation. Amen? So today, if you don't mind, I want to speak to you from the thought of taming your flesh so the spirit can lead. And our main scripture comes from Galatians 5, 16 through 21. And it reads as follows. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impure thoughts, and the eagerness for lustful pleasures, idolatry and participation in demonic activities, hatred, arguing, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and division, feeling that everything is wrong except those in your little group, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 16 through 21 from the book. Let the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. So let's dive right into point one. And point one is war with the flesh. And allow me to say this to you. The greatest war that you will have in your life will be the war that you have with your flesh. The war with your flesh is one of the most hostile wars you will ever fight as a believer. Let me let that sink in for a minute. Now, let me repeat it one more time. The war with your flesh is one of the most hostile wars you will ever fight as a believer. I said as a believer, because before you believed there was no war. Most of us had already surrendered and given into the desires of the flesh. So there was no battle or war. But when you became a believer, war was declared on the flesh by the Holy Spirit and declared back by the flesh on your spirit. And as long as you are saved, seeking God and living for him, this war will exist. So in essence, as long as you live on this earth, you will have a battle with your flesh on a daily basis. Understand when you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. War has been declared. The first bomb has been dropped, dropped on your old way of life and on your old flesh. But what most believers, especially new converts, fail to understand that the war has been declared and they are the reason the war has started and it has started inside of you. New believers get saved seeking God and feeling secure and not understanding why all of a sudden you're craving, desiring and wanting the very things God doesn't want you to have or to do. But I'm saved now is what most of them say. And my answer to them is yes, you are. But war has been declared now too. And now the cravings, desires and lusts of the flesh are even stronger than they were before. Am I talking to anyone right now? Understand this key point. Scripture tells us the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The text says they are in opposition. It said the flesh desires to participate in sexual immoral acts, has impure thoughts, is eager to fulfill lustful pleasures, harbors hatred, enjoys argument, relishes in jealousy, eager to have fits of rage and doesn't mind a little drunkenness. Okay, 
I know many of you saying, that's not me. But I say, maybe it's not you, but it's your flesh. Your flesh desires those things. And please allow me to say this before I go any farther. I don't care if you're a new Christian or an old one, an infant or mature, an apostle, prophet, bishop, pastor, practitioner, or just a pew sitter, wherever you fit on this list, your flesh is hell bent on dominating your spirit too. Just know this. No one is exempt from this war. Your flesh, my flesh, all those aforementioned people's flesh, they're in a war too. I don't care how holy, sanctimonious, sanctified you try to act or pretend to be. You're in a war too. Your flesh and their flesh, as well as my flesh, is warring with your spirit too. If you don't believe me, we need look no farther than Jesus. What did the enemy do to him? He did not tempt Jesus' spirit man. He tempted Jesus' flesh man. So if the enemy tried to tempt and attack Jesus' flesh, come on now. You don't think he's going to do the same thing to you, me, and everyone else? That was just a microcosm or a prelude to what we would go through because we have a savior that can sympathize with us. And why? Because he experienced what we would have to go through. He came out blemish free and sinless, but we're still fighting the battle to get to the place where we can sin less. If we go throughout the Bible, we can see examples of people warring with the flesh. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature, my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Romans 7, 18. Paul talking about the evil of his own flesh. David had a flesh war, Bathsheba. Samson had a flesh war with Delilah. Solomon flesh war, pagan women. Need I go on? I can add my name, your name, your brother's name, your best friend's name, or you can add any name you want. All would be fitting to be listed that are in a flesh war. So I say, please store this thought in your mind and heart. Your flesh is in an all out war against your spirit. And it's in an all out attack mode on you. And I say this to you. We all have to be mindful of this. The flesh is only looking for a momentary lapse on your part to take over. A lapse in judgment, a lapse in your decision making, a lapse in your choices, in your faith and belief. And the power shifts from the spirit to the flesh. And once the flesh is in control, it is determined to stay in control. And if it does, it can and will take you places you don't want to go. Keep you there longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Can you say a downward spiral out of control and away from God? And do you know the flesh can have you doing things, accepting things, and saying things out of character for a Christian? Do you hear me? It can have you doing things, accepting things, and saying things out of character for a Christian. Allow me to bring this point to a close with this one thought. In this war with your flesh, one of two things are going to happen. Number one, your flesh will win and you'll eventually find yourself looking in the mirror of life with deep regret. Number two, you will rise up with the sword of the spirit and make your flesh obey. Understand every day you walk on this earth as a Christian. I don't care, as I said before. How holy, sanctified, sanctimonious, anointed, appointed, or called. You cannot escape your flesh or the war that it will wage on you and against you on a daily basis. Christians, you are at war. Not only with the devil, 
but also with your own flesh that walks with you, talks with you, sleeps with you, and eats with you every day. And it will not stop trying to get you to heed to its control. I'll leave you with this thought. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You can't flee from your flesh, but you can tame it and make it obey. And that takes us to point two. I'm going to stop right there, and we'll pick up point two the next time we speak. So until then, be blessed. Greetings. I'm so happy to be back with you to continue the teaching, Taming the Flesh so the Spirit can lead. Last we spoke, we talked about war with the flesh. Let's dive right back into point two, power of the flesh. The question keeps coming up. What exactly is the flesh and what power does it have over you? I'm glad you asked. The Protestants often call the flesh our sinful nature which is not a bad term in summarizing what the flesh is. The flesh is the part of us that does not want to be told what to do. It is stubborn, refuses correction, and does not want to have a thing to do with God. It pushes at limits and laughs at rules. It's puffed up with pride and filled with its own self-worth. Allow me to say it this way. The flesh wants what it wants, when it wants it, how it wants it, and whenever it wants it without restraints or limits. The flesh hates to be under authority or have to yield to anything other than its own wishes, wants, pleasures, and desires. And it often desires something simply because it's forbidden to have, especially for a Christian. The flesh simply stated is the sinful nature of all men and women. And what power does the flesh have over mankind? The power it has is It has brought down great men, great kingdoms, destroyed families, wrecked the lives of men and women alike. And we'll speak more about that as we get deeper into point two. But understand not only in the Bible, but in real life, the flesh has taken people down roads and paths they never or ever could have imagined themselves traveling. Scripture says the flesh is at war and has conflict with the Holy Spirit. It is a man's flesh that makes him disobey God's commands. It's a man's flesh that leads him to do things that makes him call himself an old wretched man am I. It is a man's flesh that prompts, tempts, and leads a man or woman to chase his or hers human desires. When the spirit says no, the flesh says yes. Spear says, don't call that woman or man. You're married, and the last time you did, you committed adultery. Spear says don't. Flesh says yes, you call Spear says, don't drink that alcohol. That's your thorn. Flesh says, go ahead. One won't hurt you. No one will ever know. You go in five drinks later. You find yourself in jail for driving while intoxicated. The flesh has real power and the power of the flesh is real. You and I fight against it every day, knowingly or unknowingly. Allow me to share this with you. I had a friend just recently that had been clean for about a year and a half and was doing well. New job, new car, new apartment, everything looking up for her. She was going out of town Friday evening after work. I spoke with her that Friday morning, and she told me how excited she was about her life and how things were going, how God was doing great things for her, and she couldn't wait to get back to work on Monday because she loved her new job and the people she was working with so much. We spoke for a little while longer. 
and she said she would call or text me around 7 or 8 p.m. once she arrived at her destination to let me know that she made it. Well, that time came and no text, which was out of character for her. So around 9 p.m., I sent her a text and made a call to her. No response. I called her that Saturday morning. There was still no answer. Text and call several more times that weekend, no answer. So I contacted her mother, and her mom said she had received a text from her that she had made it into the city. So with that, I was good. But after that text, no one else would hear from her for three months. Three months later, she resurfaced. She called me a few days ago and told me what happened. She said she stopped by one of her old friend's house that Friday after work once she arrived at her destination. And when she walked in to her friend's place, some people were there doing drugs. She said she turned to walk out of the door to leave. She said a craving and desire came over her that she couldn't stop, control, or tame. Therefore, she went back in and began doing drugs with them. And she said once she started, she couldn't stop. That's the power of the flesh. It wanted what it wanted and how it wanted. One hit, three months later. That's just one story. I know you who are listening to this have similar stories of your own. A man with a sex addiction breaks up his family because his craving and desire for prostitutes or porn. A woman loses her children because she has an alcohol or drug addiction. These stories are all around us, all due to the power of the flesh, man's sinful nature. I say don't underestimate the power the flesh can have over your life. Remember, it only needs a momentary lapse on your part, a lapse in judgment, a lapse in decision-making, a lapse in good choices, a lapse in your faith and your belief. And the power shifts from the spirit to the flesh. And trust me, when the flesh takes over, it has and can have ultimate power over a person. And unleashed, it can cause great destruction in a person's life. My friend, a three-month hiatus, giving up and losing everything she had worked for, all due to the power of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. Please understand this. The flesh, unchecked, unattended, unmonitored, unbridled, unmanned, unrepentant, unforgiven, unsaved, and uncommitted to God can be like a wild stallion or an animal hard to tame or control. The flesh has great power. And I ask you to remember this key point. It has brought down great men, great kingdoms, beautiful angels, armies of angels, and destroyed lives. Look at King David. The flesh caused David to kill Uriah and commit adultery with his wife Bathsheba. King Solomon, the richest and wisest man alive, gave into his flesh, causing him to do what God said not to do. Don't marry pagan women or worship false gods. He did just that, and it took him away from God. And these are just two cases of the flesh getting what it wants. And this is the reality in many more cases in the Bible, as well as in many cases today in your life, someone you know's life, or someone you've heard about's life. The flesh is doing the same thing today, getting what it wants and doing what it feels like doing in its path of destruction. Understand, it desires and loves its pleasures, and most of the time they are unhealthy 
and unproductive pleasures, whether it's food in excess, a sexual addiction, alcohol addiction, violence, a lying tongue, or gossiping lips. That brings about guilt the minute after you finish doing what you really didn't want to do as a Christian. Can I say this to you? Just know you're not alone with dealing with this. The power of the flesh can hold or have over you. Just know you're not alone with dealing with the flesh and the power it can have over one. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. Instead, I keep on doing the evil I do not want to do. Romans 7, 8, 19. Why is Paul saying that? Because the power the flesh is having over him, and from all accounts, the flesh appears to be winning. He is willing and trying to do what is right, but the power of his flesh keeps taking him down a path of wrong and evil. He eventually says this about himself. Oh, what a wretched man am I who can rescue me from this body of death. The flesh is powerful and its cravings, desires, and wants are strong. We see Paul struggling with it. Spirit being overpowered by your flesh. Remember, Jesus said this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26 and 41. I ask you to please make a mental note of this. The flesh loves the world. And when it's unleashed and given freedom to roam within it, it will crave, desire, and love the world and its fruit. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 John 2 and 16. Understand this. The flesh loves the world and everything in and about it more than it loves God. The world is its familiar and comfort area. Simply stated, our spirit man loves God. The flesh man loves the world. Take this for example. If I turned on a Rihanna, Beyonce, Drake, or a Key Sweat song and watch how saved people alike begin to move without prompting. But if I put on a Christian artist like Chris Tomlin, Mandisha, or Taryn Wells, songs that don't prompt the same movement from the flesh as a secular song would. The flesh lives for and loves the world more than it does God and wants you to, too. The power of being led and controlled by it is dangerous, destructive, and scary. I'll leave you with this. Those who are dominated by the flesh think about sinful things. Those who are controlled or led by the Holy Spirit thinks about things that pleases the spirit. If your flesh controls your mind, there's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. For the sinful nature, flesh, is always hostile to God. Romans 8. But can I close point two with this? The flesh may have power, but remember you have a father in heaven that is all powerful. So be encouraged. God has given you the power to be able to tame the flesh and allow the spirit to lead. So we've talked about war with the flesh in point one. We just finished talking about the power of the flesh in point two. So now we can continue right into point three. But I'm going to stop right here and we'll dive into point three 
the next time we're together. So until then, be blessed. Greetings, I am back with you to continue the teaching, Taming the Flesh, so the Spirit can lead. So if you don't mind, let's dive right into point three. Point three is Taming of the Flesh. I know hearing about being at war with the flesh and the power of the flesh can be alarming, but just know taming it can be fulfilling in your life and in the sight of God. So know that the flesh can be tamed. The temptation that overpowers you can be overcome. But allow me to be real with you. Taming the flesh is a process and may not be done overnight. And it's not easy. Allow me to correct that. Because with Jesus, all things are possible and it can be done overnight with him. Amen. The text says this about your flesh. It never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That's Galatians 8, 5 through 8 in the book. Now, I don't want to frighten you, but make no mistake about it. The conflict and the power struggle with the flesh is one of the most hostile and hardest wars you will ever fight as a believer. But be reminded, God said he will never ask you to do anything that is impossible, but he may ask you to do something that is difficult. And taming the flesh daily is a difficult task, but not an impossible one. Because we know all things are possible with God. And through Christ, we can do all things, right? And through him, you and I have the power to tame the flesh. Because we all must be reminded, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to handle. But with temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. So let's look at the sins that are common to man. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh is that temptation that brings physical pleasure from some sinful activity to make the flesh feel satisfied and brings pleasure to the body. The lust of the eye is that temptation to look upon things we shouldn't look upon. And the pride of life, the sin of arrogance, pride in self, and boasting. It is a sin that made Lucifer the beautiful angel turn into Satan the adversary. Pride itself is one of the sins that God hates most. Now, these are the three categories of sins that are common to all men and women and that the enemy operates in and the flesh wants, desires, and loves more than it does God. And the enemy knows it. These are the same three categories of sin that tripped up Eve in the Garden of Eden. Know this, the enemy has not changed his tricks and schemes. He has just perfected them. He has always gone after your flesh through temptation he knows what pleases your flesh. Understand we are born into sin, are sinful creatures by nature and are sinners saved by grace who will fight with our flesh daily, which wants what it wants and carries great power. So with all that being said, how do we tame our flesh, get our flesh under control and overcome our flesh? I want you to remember these three words, submit, commit and obey. Allow me to share this with you. I was doing some videotaping the other day for a video podcast. So I brought a copy home to view it. And as it was playing, my daughter came in. 
and saw me on camera. And she said, wow, dad, you're looking a little plump on that video. Unbeknownst to her, I was thinking the same thing, but didn't want to say it. Granted, being on camera gives you an extra 10 pounds. So with that thought of dad, you're looking a little plump in my mind and in my spirit. I committed that week to losing weight so I wouldn't look so plump on screen. So I made a commitment from Sunday to Sunday, I would lose seven to 10 pounds. So I came up with a plan to do it. I committed myself to more cardio, cutting back on some meals and cutting stuff out of my diet for that week. Submitted to the plan and vowing to be obedient to the work needed to accomplish my goal. When Monday morning came, I was at the gym doing extra cardio, home with the salad, back at the gym that afternoon doing more cardio, and I repeated it throughout the week. I followed the plan to a T, weighing myself daily to monitor where I was in the journey to losing the plumpness that my daughter spoke of. I stayed committed to the plan, and when I weighed myself Saturday evening, nine and a half pounds were gone, plumpness gone. It was my willingness to submit, commit, and be obedient to the plan and to do the work that helped me to reach the goal I had set for myself. And now I'm not so plump on camera. I say to you, your willingness to submit, commit, and obey will bring you the same success in taming the flesh in your life. Scripture says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Psalms 37 and 4. God wants you to commit your ways to him. Submit your life and be obedient to him. And he will do great things for you. And understand this key point. Only what you do for the Lord will last. But what is done in the flesh will fade away. All right, here we go. How do I tame my flesh? Scripture says this, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. Daniel 9 three through five. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. Understand this. When the people in the Bible wanted breakthroughs, changes, blessings, revelations, deliverance, and help from God, they went to God in humility and obedience. They committed themselves to praying and then submitted themselves to fasting. Do you know the word fasting is mentioned in the Bible 77 times? And the word praying is in the King James Version of the Bible 245 times in the Old Testament and 68 times in the New Testament. Don't you know praying and fasting are two of the most powerful tools that we have to fight the enemy and to tame our flesh? I believe fasting and praying is a sign of coming under submission to God in obedience and your sign of commitment to him. Understand fasting is not only a way to get closer to God. It is also a way of taming your flesh too. Fasting helps tame the body. It disciplines your flesh and reminds your body and flesh that you're the one in control. Fasting along with praying 
charges up your spiritual batteries. When you go to God in prayer and fasting, you get God's attention. He sees, hears, and will act on your behalf. And understand at this, the flesh doesn't stand a chance. Now, please understand this. There are different methods of fasting and they can vary depending on the person and what you can and cannot do. There are people who can go without food for a day, but there are some who have medical problems that can't. Fasting is not always without food for a whole day. You can fast by skipping a meal, such as breakfast, or you can do a Daniel fast. You can fast by abstaining from sex within your marriage, of course, or abstaining from television. I say allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and always remember that fasting without prayer is not fasting at all. If you don't mind, please allow me to share some reasons to fast because Jesus expects us to, to humble yourself before God. We fast when we're distressed and grieved in repentance for spiritual strength, overcoming temptation and dedicating yourself to God. Discipline, it strengthens your prayers. Express love and worship to God for guidance and help making important decisions and drawing closer to God and separating yourself from the world. As you can see, you can overcome the power of the flesh, the war with the flesh, and you can tame it. I suggest start with the fast, commit, submit, and go to God in humility and obedience. And if you're willing to go on a fast, God can help you overcome and tame your flesh. Allow me to share this with you before we move on. It has been for me when going on a fast that I have gotten the biggest breakthroughs, the greatest revelation, the greatest insight, strength to tame and overcome my fleshly wars. I know if you will take the first step in overcoming and taming your flesh, God will be there to help you the rest of the way. Freedom from your flesh controlling you is available if you're willing to take the first step. Start today in getting your life back and becoming all God has called, anointed, and appointed you to be. You don't have to let your flesh take you off track anymore. You can tame it and bring it under the submission of the Spirit of God and let the Spirit lead, not the flesh. And that takes us right into the conclusion of this message. But I'm going to stop right here and we'll move on to the conclusion the next time we speak. So until then, be blessed.